You see, you read and study and meditate on the Word of God to be reminded that you already have God's approval. Welcome, everyone, to the Sunday Recap. We're so glad you joined us today. We're going to be recapping Easter Sunday. So, uh, man, it was just an awesome Sunday morning. Um, And so we are going to be talking through Romans chapter 6 today. So uh, if you're able, grab your Bible, turn to Romans 6, and we're going to get going. Uh, I'm here today, of course, with Mitch Green and Ariel Eldridge. How are you guys this morning? Doing Doing great. Yeah. Awesome. How is how is Easter for you guys? I mean, we're we're all on lockdown, uh, home with our families. What what did you guys do for Easter? Easter was different, um, but <laughs> yeah, it, for sure it, it wasn't. You know, honestly, so it was funny. On Saturday, I had this great idea that we were going to start a new Easter tradition of making hot dogs over the fire, which was basically mm, because we didn't have Easter hot dogs. We didn't have like <laughs> we didn't have anything, so I was like this is going to mark our Easter traditions. Like this is the year that we begin the hot dogs over the fire on Easter night. <laughs> um, luckily we went over to my parents and they had like early and cuz we had no sides and they had a ton of sides they gave us too and we had angel food cake and I got jelly beans and my mom gave me toilet paper for Easter. Uh, that was like like her Easter gift. It's kind of funny. I'm still getting Easter. More precious than gold. Yeah, still getting Easter gifts from my mom at 29 years old. But no, it was, it. It was overall, it was, a, it was a good weekend. It really was. Aww. That's cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. What do you guys do, Ariel? Well, um, we have a love for honey bake ham. And since we couldn't get out and find a honey bake ham, Jeremy Googled <laughs> yeah. how to make a honey bake ham himself. Um, and so he did. It was delicious. I think that's awesome. It had Pepsi in it. I could just taste a little mm-hmm. bit of Pepsi oh, awesome. in it. You know, absolutely. But it's got it's like one of those kitchen sink recipes where it's got like weird stuff in it. But it was really good. <laughs> that's really super cool. yummy. We did a weird thing with our meal because, um, so we were just like, you know, this is untraditional this year, so we're gonna do something totally untraditional. So we just had everybody in our family uh, pick their favorite food. And so it ended up actually kind of working together. We had uh, grilled salmon and uh, mashed potatoes. And um, it was so funny, Caleb, my three-year-old, he really wanted bell peppers with ranch dressing. <laughs> so, so it was like Give mac the and cheese what he wants. and salad. Yeah, <laughs> so it was a little bit of a hodgepodge of a meal, but it worked together pretty nice. And it was yeah, good. We, yeah. had, we had a good time together. That's we did some fun. games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the games well, were I mean, cool. Yeah. You got to talk about the games because uh, if anybody knows games, it's the McLaughlin family. So tell us the, about it. Tell us about your egg. Well, we, well the egg fight thing, uh, if you didn't see it online uh, on Facebook yet, um, we this has been a, a tradition in my family for years and years and years where we, um, uh, you basically, you get eggs and you smack them together. And the, and the person at the end who has an unbroken egg is the winner. And so... Um, so yeah, so we, we we played that game and showed it to the world this <laughs> this year. I will say w- the thing that I I miss doing, which I didn't put on on Facebook. The thing that I miss doing it was um, back when I was in college, we used to do this thing called turbo egg, like a turbo egg round, and basically you could do anything you wanted to your egg. You can engineer your egg in any way to win. And so we had people making like taking an egg and freezing it inside of a <laughs> cantaloupe. 
or uh, one year I built like this kind of like mechanism around it out of like springs and um, uh, paper clips and like kind of I soldered it all together and I put nails sticking out of both ends so that when I go you to just soldered it you know like, like just a bagunk. normal thing yeah yeah no, I, yeah I feel like I feel so, like we have to somehow attach this video because anybody who's listening that hasn't seen yeah. it is like what uh, what is he talking about <laughs> just go on my Facebook page you'll see it yeah I don't post a lot of stuff it's so. just funny they're, they're just, what like soldering eggs freezing eggs they'll have no idea what you're talking yeah. about unless they've seen it's the so, video so so they have it's to so good. It so yeah, it's 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 fun. So we like the games. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, fun. That's really cool. So, well, Easter Sunday morning, um, I thought was great. Scott, um, I thought just brought a really fantastic message. And we were talking about it's very unusual for an Easter yeah. message, focusing on some different things, but 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 really good. Um, brought a lot of hope, I think, in a lot of ways. But he was coming out of Romans chapter six, verses one through what did he do? One through eleven. So I thought what we do, let's just start by, by reading the passage and um, let's kind of talk through some of the things that he was talking about. So um, maybe, maybe let's break it up. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Um, <laughs> so uh, Mitch, could you read one through uh, one through four, that first paragraph? And then Ariel, could you read five through 11? Yes, sure. sir. Sweet. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in this newness of life. Yeah, and here's verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, what, what I think is so interesting about this passage is this passage isn't really a passage about, uh, technically, it's, a, it's not about salvation in, in the sense of like being justified before God. It's a, it's a passage about our sanctification. It's, a, it's about mm-hmm. um, actually becoming more like Christ in this life. And so, but, but the, the thing with this passage is that it's, it's based on the stuff that Paul says earlier about justification, about the salvation that we've received. And he really grounds it in the idea of the resurrection. Um, how important, I mean, I mean, and I mean, maybe let's just unpack what Paul is, is saying here, but how important is the resurrection to a, like Jesus' resurrection to a Christian? Why is that so important? Yeah, I mean, just to get to get into the meat of the sermon, you know, I think Scott said it off the bat, but the resurrection just proves that Jesus is who he says he was, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's like Jesus, you know, there's not this man that's going around making all this claims to be God 
who dies and then the rest of the earth continues you know mm -hmm. there's right. like Jesus's resurrection um solidifies that <laughs> you know he is lord um and and you know I think it's I think it's C.S. Lewis who says, you know, that Christ is either he's either a lunatic, or or he is who he says he is. It's something along those lines. L Lord liar, Lord lunatic. liar, lunatic. You know, is what C.S. Lewis yeah. says. Yeah, and it's like it, those are the only options. And you know, if none of <laughs> if if Christ isn't risen from the dead, then you know um, he's a lunatic, or he's a liar. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's yeah. not who he claims to be. And so I think like that, you know. Again, you really like when you're reading all these stories, like I don't know about you guys, I did all these different like kind of immersive readings this weekend where you're just kind of reading the passages and reflecting on them and you're yeah. reading them and you really wonder like what was going through everyone else's head. Like when Christ is making these claims, when he's saying these things, when like what is going through their head and then when he's, you know, when he is ri risen from the dead, it's like oh, like yeah. it's like it like I imagine it just started to click for them. Like they believed yeah. he was Lord, they trusted in him, they said things like yeah. that. But like it didn't fully make sense. And so I don't know, it mm -hmm. just like it's like the completion of the claims that Christ was making um mm -hmm. all happened at the yeah, resurrection. Yeah. I'd say it's probably in a little bit even after, even after yeah. the resurrection, you have the disciples being like, Well, are you about to restore the kingdom? Yeah. And they're like just like uh <laughs> <laughs> how long so, must i know yeah. <laughs> so so i i think you're right like they're starting to get it but then mm. it, it's the coming of the spirit that really is is when um people are like especially the apostles they're just like yeah oh okay like mm -hmm. you know here we go yeah yeah um, what about, I mean, going back to what Paul says in first Corinthians 15, um, and, and, you know, for you guys that are listening at home, first Corinthians 15, you want to talk about the resurrection and the importance of the resurrection. Um, that is a key, key passage. Um, so first Corinthians 15, one through 11 really talks about this is, this is the gospel and he, and he really grounds it in the resurrection. And then look, look at verse 12. He says, if Christ is proclaimed as risen from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? But if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In fact, at the end of this, he says, we're still in our sins. Our faith is futile. And we uh, of all people are to be pitied is what mm. he says. And so, um, uh, so the resurrection really is the, the very foundation of Christianity. I think Scott said that at the very beginning, the resurrection is Christianity. Um, uh, it's the very, the very grounding of it all. When I think about the, the resurrection, I think of the fact that Christ is basically declaring victory over death. Um, and if he didn't do that, then he would be just like the rest of us as a human. Um, yeah. when he was in the flesh to die and then not to raise again, makes him completely, um, normal makes him, um, it, it eliminates the fact that he was the God man both fully God and fully man. Um, but when he yeah. raises and de declares victory over death, um, that's our whole hope. I think that's exactly what Scott was saying was that all of Christianity is, is wrapped up in it. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so this is going to yeah, be, why are you smiling? Be, so this is going to, no, this is good. So this is going to be one of those like honest, humble moments for the podcast. So, all right, you grammatical people, you need to help out people like me. Because I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, every time I'm saying Christ is risen, Christ is raised, 
Christ was raised, Christ was risen. What is the proper what is the proper like English way to say it? Do you get what I'm he, saying? Okay. Like this is this is what my wife does. I don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I'm saying it out here, I'm like I'm like Christ is risen? Christ so is he raised? is risen, Christ, but he, he also risen. did rise. Does that make sense? So like he is risen. Like he is, there is no death again. Mm-hmm. But he it is also if it can also refer to the actual moment of him mm-hmm. rising. So he rose or yeah. he is risen are both acceptable. Yeah, I know they're both true. It's just funny every time I say one, I'm like, I feel like I'm saying the wrong one. So Usually just I just run a song through my head and I'm like, Well, what did they sing? I know Christ I'm like Christ is is, risen yeah, that's from a, yeah. the dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> we may take this uh, out. That, we may put this in the I, end. I would not put my stock in music. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who You're knows right. if You're we right. leave this or not? But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking. Interesting. I was sitting there thinking about it. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I feel like I'm saying it wrong each time. So yeah, um, so Scott, uh, he gave us basically just two points, which I thought was awesome in, in, a, in a sense, because I mean, typically he's a three point sermon guy. And so for yeah. him to go two points, uh, I was like, wow, he's going out of his box here. But um, <laughs> he uh, but he gave us two points. He said, I'm unified with Christ. That's the first thing that he, he was drawing out of the passage there. Uh, and then he talked about our identification in Christ. So those two, those two main ideas. Um, and so I want to talk about the first one. So he talked about this unification with Christ and in, in this unification, and this is done, you know, it talks about here through baptism that we're unified with Christ. Um, that in that unification, that there's, uh, this, this, uh, this death that occurs. Uh, so we are unified with Christ in his death. So what, what dies in us when, uh, in that unification with him, what, what, what exactly is happening? This is going to sound like a, a backwards answer, I think, but I'm, it just dawned on me that our death dies. And I guess mm-hmm. I should expound on that. Like if we're already dead in sin, like our death dies, <laughs> we are made alive. I know that sounds really like weird and elementary, but I was just like, wow. It kind of just hit me that um, the whole fact that we are completely um, rotten and dying and decaying, like, and the spirit breathes new life into us. And we're the moment mm. that we're unified with Christ, it's like we come alive. Yeah. yeah. It brings up an interesting point uh, with that because there's a distinction between then because clearly our bodies are still right, dying, right, yeah. right. So then there's a distinction, right, between the 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 soul that's that's within us, um, mm-hmm. and then our body itself, which are both are part of who we are. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's I think it's important to recognize that um, humanity is actually really unique. I think in all of creation mm-hmm. because humanity is given both flesh and a spirit, um, and we see that right from Genesis one. Absolutely, I mean, God formed Adam out of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils, right? Mm-hmm. So you have you have both mm-hmm. the flesh and the spirit. Um but then there's this distinction, right, with salvation. So when we're when we're saved, it's our spirit that is regenerated, mm-hmm. right? It's our spirit that's made new, but our flesh is still dying, is still actually sinful. Yeah. So how does that idea of the separation of our soul and our flesh uh, how does that play into the way that we wrestle with sin? Yeah, so so I, I mean, Paul talks about this a lot, 
So spirit and flesh are really the two good categories to think about. You know, Chris, as we were talking about um, the foundations class this past semester, we were as we were working through like essential things for Christians to understand. One of them is just this recognition of that that is our current state. You know, is that we are um, at war. You know, with our spirit and flesh um, currently, that those two things are at battle with one another. And so Paul yeah. talks about you know there are these things that we put on Christ. You know, and that there are things that we put off. And so kind of back to your question earlier. Um, you know, the, what, what dies was kind of the question that you asked, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what dies essentially are our old ways. <laughs> like, like, mm-hmm. and that's what, you know, what Scott was talking about through Paul's life. And he was saying, when you think about Paul, it's like he experienced the resurrection is what Scott said. And he experienced that in the sense that like everything that was Paul is now dead on the cross with Jesus, like died on the cross with Jesus. And now Paul is called to live in this new life and this new identity with Christ. And so I think like that's how it works is that, you know, we recognize that while we're in body, you know, still that we still are at war with our flesh, that we are called to put on Christ and live in spirit and focus on the heavenly things. Um, Yeah. And like Paul, you know, like Scott shared that quote, you know, from C.S. Lewis, but it's like, you know, Christians who focus their eyes on heaven you know, and don't focus on things on the ways of, I'm going to read it rather than quit messing it up. But he says, if, <laughs> yeah, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christianity, uh, um, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this world. And mm. so, you know, yeah. this dying um, to your flesh this death to your old ways is to focus on your new identity in Christ. Um, that's, I mean, that's for me, I don't know that that's, that that's a transformational understanding for me. So just talking about the new heavens and new earth, cause I mean, and just what CS Lewis is saying, you know, that, uh, keeping our focus on eternity, keeping our focus on heaven and, and the, and the hope that, uh, God gives us in that I think is key. I mean, that's something that, I know for me personally has been a, um, a huge help for me just in, uh, keeping my, uh, my own focus on, on Christ, on, uh, reading scripture, on moving, you know, on, on, on my own personal walk with the Lord. Um, how does, I guess this is the thing for me. And I want, I want to, I want to hear what you guys personally, how you resonate with this. Cause how does the, the new heavens and new earth really answer the desires that you have in this world? Like, like every, cause really every desire that we have here is going to be answered in some way in the new heavens and new earth. How, how is that, um, how are your own desires in this world answered by that hope of heaven? Oh man, loaded question. But the thing I love about that question is that it is reflected in scripture in the way of like threads all throughout. So I, I'm a person who thrives on sleep. I love sleep. <laughs> I love a nap. Yeah. And I think, why Why am I so tired? Like, why do I crave sleep so much? And, um, I mean, when you get down to it, God promised rest. Like, that's, that's something that we will um, join him in in the new heaven and new earth is eternal mm-hmm. rest. Um, yet, 
we're also created to work and I enjoy feeling like I'm useful and I enjoy putting my hands to something and, and he created us for that too. And we'll have a perfect work, you know? So every yeah. single desire that you could even possibly conjure up is, is fully, um, is fully made whole when we are, uh, in the new heaven and new earth. Yeah. And I, I just to speak to that made whole aspect that you said, I think Chris, that's what I really cling to is the restoration side of things. Um, I remember mm -hmm. a few years back when I was reflecting on it, I was actually, I was thinking about getting my first tattoo. So I'll get, this is like me every podcast. <laughs> Let's just go ahead I'm going to get it. there from a really roundabout way. <laughs> so I, I, I thought tattoos are cool, but I wanted something that was meaningful. And, um, I remember I was reflecting on revelation and just, um, just the passage, you know, where God's talking about how he'll make all things new and the tree of life and all, you know, all, all that, like I was reflecting on it and, and it hit me that like God doesn't like take broken things and just make them fixed again because like broken things that are fixed are like still broken, you know, like, like, mm -hmm. like your car breaking down, you can add new parts, but it's still like your car is going to get older and eventually it's going to rust out. For all our mm -hmm. Stones Auto people, they're gonna be like, "That was the worst description ever." But, <laughs> nah. but like, yeah. it's like it's like broken things. Like things will continue to break down. Like that's that's how this you know this world works. And so everything we have is breaking down. And I think sometimes we get this picture is that like God takes what's broken and then He like bandages it up and fixes it and uses it. I don't know. Like sometimes mm -hmm. that's how I even feel about myself. I'm like God's. But what we're promised in the new heaven and new earth is know that God restores all things back to their intended purpose before we were even ever born. And so, mm -hmm. so for me, it's this like it's not just that broken things are fixed; it's that broken things are made new, and they're restored. Yeah. And so, when I think about like disease being no more, I think about you know the pains that we experience. I think about the ways that we have broken relationships that there's you know, hurt, that there's all these things in this world. And I think about those things being restored, man, like it's going to bring you to tears when you're on your, you know, John Deere lawnmower in your backyard reflecting about it. And it, <laughs> yeah. like that, that, I mean, from last Friday, that's where I found myself sitting there reflecting, brought to tears, just thinking about the current state of our world and thinking that we are promised a future where everything is restored back to its intended, intended purpose better than we can even imagine. I would say even better than its original yeah. purposes, because because right. when we think about uh, when you know uh, Adam and Eve were were created, they, you know after the fall, death entered the world. But but even then, um, they still had these mortal bodies, Absolutely. you know. And and what what what's awesome and what Paul gets to in this is that we are unified with Christ so that we would experience a death like His, so that so that we would uh, have the hope of experiencing a resurrection like his. And Jesus' yeah. resurrection mm -hmm. was different than, you know, maybe like a, a when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus rose from the dead and he still died. But mm -hmm. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he was raised imperishable, right? So the, the perishable was raised imperishable. And that is our hope that we're going to be raised imperishable. We're going to be raised with a glorified body and not with uh, the same mortal body. So what does this hope of the new heavens and new earth and, and, this, and this resurrection, what does that then drive us to do here and now? Like what C.S. Lewis is saying, what does that drive you to do? So Chris... Chris, the first thing that I reflect on, and again, uh, the more we talk about these podcasts, people will see that most of my 
theology and thoughts comes from Ephesians because it's my favorite book of the Bible. But, <laughs> hey, it's in the Bible. Yeah, so it's okay. yeah. So, so I, I think of Paul and I think of the therefore now live in light and live, live in light of worthy what you've been called, you know, four yeah. verse one. And yeah. I think it's a life of reflecting on what you're saying is our future state in Christ, um, what Christ has done for us. Um, in the mm-hmm. past, and then living in that new identity. So as we were talking about earlier, it's that mm. putting on Christ and putting off these things, you know, the things of this world. And so it's a continual life of submitting yourself um, to that. And so for me personally, um, again, as a very flawed, not great at doing this everyday person, one of the things that helps me came from one of the very first sermons um, when, when I was at Stone's Crossing. And Scott said, you know, have you considered waking up every day and declaring God the Lord of your life? And for mm. me, that that centered me to a place of reminding myself to reflect on God throughout my day and submitting everything before him. Um, you know, as I've been reflecting with friends, that's honestly one of the things that this season has offered to me more than anything else. Um, you know, it is a chance to evaluate rhythms and things, but in this season, um, while I may have, I have work and I may move on to the next thing, the next phone call, the next meeting. I think I can get so distracted throughout the day that I forget to just even put on my identity in Christ. And I'm just kind of living throughout the day as if I'm Mitch Green. Um, Mm -hmm. But what this season has offered, it's like I am sitting in a room by myself most of the day. Um, And when I'm sitting in the room by myself, I'm reminded to um, that I have the opportunity to um, put on Christ in each moment, to trust in him with my fears, to go into this next meeting and say, okay, you're going to lean into Mitch Green or you're going to lean into Christ. What's it going to be? Um, and I, I don't, I, it's, I don't know. It's really, um, it's really encouraging, I guess. Like, like that's one of the things that I hope, like as we establish new rhythms, whenever things get back to normal, that I can think of how to live in such a way that I'm not just being distracted by all the things that are going on, and then I'm reminding myself that like Christ is working in me, but that I can really cling to Christ from each moment to the next. So I think it's a mm-hmm. life of reminding yourself of what Christ has done. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that that's what I think it is. Um, well, as we've been talking, I keep thinking about how um, oftentimes we always we're we're more tempted to look back, I guess, at what Christ has done. And I love that Scott preached on what's to come um, because if we can continually remind ourselves of, of, um, the resurrection of, of believers, um, I think that will spur us on to the good works that God's already, um, prepared in advance for us to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think his third point in his, um, his sermon, let me pull it up here, was how do I walk in this new identity in Christ? And I think basically everything Mitch was saying is that in, I'm going to put on the new self in every opportunity I have. Um, so it's not like a one-time thing where I'm just going to like rely and, and be done and, and just assume that I'm just not going to sin again. We all know that that isn't true because we still wrestle with the flesh daily, multiple times. Um, and so walking in that new identity at each turn and saying, I'm going to put on Christ for this decision um, and the next yeah, I you know the thing that it, it draws me back to uh, pretty often is just how um, this world really has very little that is good 
to offer <laughs> to offer us. Mm. You know, I think I think thinking of on the new heavens and new earth makes me think um, continually that the things that we see on this on this earth and the desires that we have are just mere shadows of the Ooh, of the really good yes. things that are that are to come, and they're not. Um, and, and and man, I just. I, I long, the more that I think about it, the more that I long for those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't long anymore for the things of this world. Well, um, yeah. And I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to cut in because yeah. when you said this world has nothing good, I think sometimes we think, oh, well then we hate everything. But like, yeah, there are no, so no. many things to delight in, but then you got to it and you said they're shadows. And yeah. when I think of how much I love my kids or how much I love my puppy, you know, or just things, <laughs> just the little bitty things that God has blessed us with to delight in here on earth are only shadows. They're only types yeah. and tiny glimpses of what he's going to do for us in eternity. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's exciting. I think that's really good. So, so like, let's, let's get a little bit like practical with that, which I, Ariel, I think like that's a really good way to think about it. So it's like the good things are a taste of what mm-hmm. eternity is like. The bad things, <laughs> you know, the things that we keep saying are the things of this world, um, mm-hmm. there there are things that often they pull us away from that reflection on eternity. And sometimes... Yeah, they yeah. can be good things, yeah. but they're distorted or overused or... Absolutely. They've been twisted, yeah. Well, Scott gave us three uh, three points of practical application at the end of his sermon, and he, he really pointed us to to three very fundamental things. Uh, he, one was baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second was about really community, that we have a new family, and so spending time with your community, um, this new family. And three, to to read and meditate on Scripture. So um, let's just let's just unpack these just really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so first baptism, yeah. um, he, you know, he did make a point to, to make sure to explain that baptism is not what saves us, you know, mm-hmm. but that baptism is a, is a picture of, of the, uh, of the salvation that we've received in this, in this unification with Christ dying and rising. But, um, uh, I would just love to hear about what, what, what baptism meant to you when you got baptized. I would love to hear your, your story on that as well. So growing up as, um, I was part of the Christian church growing up, which is the first Christian church, you know, as a denomination. Um, in our particular church, we had a very large emphasis on baptism. And if you were not baptized, you would not be saved. You would not go to heaven. Mm. Um, but I really appreciate the way Scott has described baptism as he did Easter Sunday as, as a symbol, like a wedding ring. I thought that was a really interesting way to do this. Um, and you know that the wedding ring doesn't make you married. I might, my mother-in-law and father-in-law don't have wedding rings, but they have a covenant of marriage between the two of them. Um, but when you wear the wedding ring, it's so helpful to the rest of the people around you because you can tell who is married by what they have on their finger. Um, you know, I can ask her and find out that she is my, my mother-in-law. I can ask her and find out that she is married. Um, but if I see someone with a ring, I know exactly who they are and what that ring represents. And so when I think about baptism, this is a, is an identifier, a covenant with the believers around them, a horizontal aspect of worship and also a vertical worship that they've made with their, with their savior. Um, and so we know that that covenant is in place. Um, 
Now, Christ, when he was baptized, did it out of fulfillment of of the law, right? Out of out right. of fulfilling what God had required of him. And in so doing, we walk in Christ, we do what he does, and he mimicked that for us. I mean, he went through that for us as a as a human. Um and so whenever we see that, we know this is the way we're to walk as well. Um, and this is, this is a covenant that we step into as a body of believers. Um, so I think it's a beautiful picture of the church, too. And we just get so excited as a family um, of believers when it happens. Yeah, Ariel, you know, when I, when I think about baptism, I, I, I think of, again, and thinking back to my baptism, Chris, like you asked. Yeah. Um, for me, and I was very, very young, but there was this, um, there was this visual of um, an understanding of wanting to step into a life that Christ has for me, um, mm. wanting to receive this. I mean, even from a very young age, I remember it being like the way I was hearing people talk about Jesus. Um, I'm gonna try to use terms that I've not learned now, but terms I would have said then. Like at six, I remember the ways that people were talking about Jesus were hitting me differently. And there was this um, opportunity to kind of repent and say that I want to commit my life to following the ways of Jesus. Um, and mm, I want to receive yeah. this life that he has for me. Um, I understood that at that base level. Um, and so like at that, at that time, like that's what baptism meant for me was like, I was stepping into this life um, that God had for me. That was greater than the life that I had for myself um, that God was offering this for me. One thing now as I get older when I reflect on baptism is, you know, that baptism reminds me of this, um, just leaning into the visual of water like Scott was, this immersive life that we have um, with the Trinity, with God, this this life that we're welcomed into um, to submit before him. So like when I see other people get baptized, it reminds me of that. Like you were saying, like we get excited because we're we're seeing them step into this life that God has for them. But it also mm-hmm. brings us to the place where we remember our baptism, you know, and mm-hmm. and we reflect, you know, on who we were before Christ, who we are now in Christ, um, and the transformation that God's taken us on throughout our life. And that's what, mm-hmm. you know, that's what moves us. And so, I mean, I think, I think kind of to what Scott's saying, like, baptism, you know, not only is it something that you do, but it also should remind you of this life that Christ has welcomed him, welcomed us into, you know, on this side of heaven, that we're living in this immersive life um, with the Trinity, that we're in a relationship with God, um, that, you know, God can lead us, um, that his spirit dwells in us, that, you know, like all, our baptism speaks to all those things um, that kind mm-hmm. of set this pattern for how do I live in my identity with Christ? Um, it's not possible um, without, you know, not with the literal baptism, but, you know, without the spirit dwelling inside of you. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, I, I think too, one of the awesome things about, about baptism as well is like what you're saying, Mitch, you can look back to it to see, uh, the covenant faithfulness of God yeah. to mm-hmm. you through all of this. Um, I've, I've talked to several people and I, I would even, um, uh, include myself in that as well, where, what, you know, in between the time that you're baptized and now, 
Um, there may have been periods of your life where you feel like you walked away from the Lord or you uh, backslid or, or things like that. And people have come up to me and said, like, you know, Chris, should I be should I be rebaptized? Like, what should I do with this? And I, I tell them, no, like, you know, first of all, Ephesians 4 tells us we should be baptized once. Right. That's that's the whole thing with that. We're baptized once. But then um, but rather than being rebaptized, what we're doing is we're looking back at that baptism and we're saying, you know, even when we were not faithful to God, mm-hmm. God was faithful to us and God mm-hmm. preserved us and he, and he took care of us even in those times when we were unfaithful to him and that he then brought us back into his fold, you know, and what a loving and patient God he is for mm-hmm. doing something like Absolutely. that uh, for a sinner like us, you know, and, and, and that's just his covenant faithfulness. to I us. love every time you have that conversation with someone in membership class. Just when, when they ask the question, I'm like, oh, here it comes. We're going to talk about this because it's so good. It is so good. Well, the second thing he talked about was community, right? So spend some time with your new family. This is mm-hmm. the new family that we're going to be hanging out with for all of eternity. So spend some time with them now, <laughs> you know, um, in a lot of ways, it's mostly just, you know, this is your new family. Uh, this is, mm-hmm. uh, and, and not that we need to like get used to these people type of a thing, but, but it's more of a thing of, we should be living the way that we, uh, we should be living the way now that we are going to be living in the future. But what does that mean for non-believers and what does that mean for evangelism? And can we be friends with non-Christians? What, what, what's the line there? What do you guys think on that? I think what um, friendship with non-believers means for us as the Christian, if you're a Christ follower, is that, um, first of all, you need to understand that um, the two-way friendship has some parameters to think about. If a person is a non-believer, we can really get ourselves worked up over things that they may do to us or say to us. Um, holding them to a standard that we should be holding the church to and not a non-believer. And that's a really good thing to keep in mind. Um, But then when you think about a believer as a friend, um, there's certainly that aspect of, um, of spurring each other on and sharpening each other, which comes with some of those, those moments where you have to speak in love a wound to help them grow and, and to spur them on out of a, out of, um, a season of, of walking away from the Lord. Um, Mm. I just think of that as like, those are practical things. Um, but as far as evangelism goes, like I would love to hear from Mitch. Yeah. So, so before I, before I get into that, so like Chris, I think theoretical for me, um, there was something I grasped in understanding that, um, as Christians, we believe that every human, um, has worth, as a created being mm. by God. Um, so, right. so to be human, um, is to be, um, is to have worth by God. So, so we consider every person valuable. So it's not as if mm-hmm. now there's a covenantal relationship, you know, in Christ that we have, um, that, mm-hmm. that we are redeemed, but there's this first aspect of being human, um, that means to be in, in some level made in the image of God, not walking in that in its truest truest sense, but that means that every person has worth. So so theoretically, like that's how we see people. Um, I mean that yeah. that that shift for me, it's not as if people are lesser. It's that people are you know made um, in God's image, and I pray and hope that they cling to the identity that they can have in Christ. But they haven't. They have worth. 
Um, they have inher- inherited mm-hmm. worth, um, as do all created things, but humanity even above those things. Um, and yeah. so, so theoretically that, and I think Ariel, I think that kind of helps shape the way that you think about evangelism, um, mm-hmm. is that you're every, everybody that you're talking to, um, every person that you're interacting with, um, you are understanding, um, who they are through the lens of scripture in which what God says about them. Um, you understand their worth in some sense, often in ways that they don't. Um, and so it's like, I want them to walk in this truth, um, that Christ has for them now in the same times, you know, people who are not, um, not obedient to Christ, they're not following him. They're not submitting themselves before him. They're going to be submitting themselves to something. And so kind of what you're speaking to Ariel is there that sometimes when you're in relationship with people, um, there's a tendency to be molded by them and their actions, <laughs> you know, and, and we have yeah. to be, we have to be weary of that, that, you know, like if we look to somebody and we're confiding in them and we're trusting in them, but they're not submitting to God as their authority, you know, over their life, like they're submitting to these other things. Um, because again, we have enough obvious understanding of ourselves that we're going to pour ourselves into things, something, you know, you've heard it often said in church that, you know, if, if God isn't your God, something else is your God. Yeah. I'd say Mitch, that was definitely my experience with it. Like when I first became a Christian, um, one of the thing that, the things that really happened was, um, I, I had some friends that I were, I was friends with and I tried to maintain those relationships and tried to keep those going, but I found it to be way too difficult because I was getting sucked in to the things that they were wanting to do. And so I was like, I, I need to stop. Like I need to actually cut ties with them at least for a little while. And so I did, I mean, it was, it was a difficult process for me, but I felt like it was the right thing for me to do at the time because I was just so weak. Um, I, I didn't have the ability to like say no when they were telling me to do all these things, you know, and, and all that stuff. I'm like, uh, I need to just well, and away. Chris, and I don't want to so, take I don't want that to yeah. take over the podcast, but but that is the process that I think is hard for people to understand, um, which is kind of what we're all getting at here is that how do you um, how do you still show people um, that you value them, um, but also right. recognize, and this is when you understand the flesh that we're in, that like we don't like I think sometimes we think so highly of ourselves that we think we can place ourselves in situations and just be fine, you know? But Mm -hmm. when we're honest, you know, that like, you know, about Mitch Green, it's like, if I spent every night going out, drinking, doing the, like, you know, like, like doing all these things, it's like, I'm going to fall into those things, you know? Or if I think like I can watch these kind of shows all the time and it's just not going to affect me, I'm wrong. You know, and so there's this recognition, which is, again, unique for each person, you know, like like each person's going to have different things that they struggle with. But there's this recognition that each person has to go through where they say, no, I know this to be true about me. And that means that here's how I have to interact with people that are doing these things. Yeah. Now, the freedom in the community with Christ to get back to what we're really saying is that these are people who have, you know, um, one spirit, one Lord, you know, one baptism. Like we're all, we're all submitting ourselves before God. 
So again, while we're still walking in sin and the church has a really bad time about people being able to be fully honest about that, you know, sometimes like what they Mm -hmm. are struggling with. The point is that we're all submitting ourselves to the same authority. So in hopes we should be able to spur one another along in our faith. Exactly. So that's why the community is so beautiful. I think I noticed too. Right. That's, that's what I think I think I noticed too, was, you know, when I separated myself from, from the people who were, were encouraging me the wrong ways. And I, and I surrounded myself with the people who were encouraging me in the right ways, um, how that changed the, like my own trajectory, how it really Mm -hmm. helped, helped me to, um, to be encouraged in my faith, to trust God more, um, and to move forward in that process of just growing in, in, in Christ. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the things of the world become so attractive, <laughs> again, so then it's it's tempting to go back. So that's where the new heavens and new earth thing comes back in. And it's all connected. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, the last thing the last thing you talked about here was reading and meditating on scripture. Um, what's the what's the purpose behind that? Uh, why? Why should we be reading scripture? Why should we be meditating on scripture? Why is that so important for the for the Christian? It's my favorite. <laughs> no, it what really. What did we say is, we're supposed um, to call you? What was it? Bible, Bible lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a little backstory is that I have gotten like five new Bibles in the last two months. <laughs> I can't turn them away. Um, I mean, a couple of them were given to me, but still, they just keep coming. I'm like the crazy cat lady of Bibles. <laughs> All right, Bible lady. <laughs> I love them. I love them. Oh, no. I mean, I just love God's Word because there are so many ways that it seeps into every fiber of my being when I read it. And it doesn't take much. It takes very little for the Holy Spirit to grab a hold of me and bring His Word back to mind when something comes up during the day or the week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just appreciate so much just the ability to um, recall the truths of God's character in moments of need and even moments where I'm just sitting and taken over by how beautiful like the trees are when I'm walking, you know, um, just knowing God's faithfulness and his goodness is, um, is so apparent in his word. And then it helps me see it around me. Um, when it would be very tempting to keep my eyes on fixed on the things of this world, especially right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, Chris. So, so the surface, the surface level answer is like, how how are we to know how to live in our new identity if we don't know the scriptures? <laughs> you know, like, like in a sense, like that's kind of what a majority of the New Testament is doing is trying to apply mm-hmm. truths about God to situations in their life and trying to help them understand how to live in Christ. Um, and same for us. You know, and so like, like, how are we to know if we don't read? Like, like that's that's one part of it, right? Um, but yeah. even deeper than that, you know, in light of um, the resurrection, it's like, as Christians, the Spirit helps interpret Scripture for us. Um, right. So, so like the the deeper answer is to like, why should Christians read? Um, it's like because. At the spirit as it is at work in revealing things to you through the scripture as you're reading it. Um, that's the power we have through the resurrection of Jesus. And so, mm-hmm. um, like, if you are wanting, as Ariel said, to be reminded 
of um, the truths of Scripture, if you're wanting to have things to cling, cling to in times of darkness, if you're wanting guidance for your life, it's like the Spirit is actively at work in the process of you reading Scripture. Um, yes. And so, I don't know, like, like for me, like, like, yeah, Christians, like, like, yeah, Christian, that's why, that's why we read. Um, because, like, God is going to work and reveal things to us through his word mm-hmm. um, by the power of his Holy Spirit as we're reading things. You know, I get the picture of, like, in Romans when it's talking about the Jews, but it says, you know, what they once saw through a veil, they now see clearly. God's yeah. going to illuminate yeah. new things to you. Like, you may have read the scripture when you were a child and it made no sense, and so now you don't want to approach it because you're worried it's some other book. But, but like, yeah. the Spirit is going to be at work in you reading the scriptures. Um, and so that's why right. we, that's why we cling to it. Absolutely. You know, one of the most famous passages about scripture, second Timothy three sixteen and 17, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I just want to read it real quick. It says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. And then it tells us why it says that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. And um, one of the things I think is interesting, this is from Brian Chapel. He, he talked about this idea that that if Scripture's purpose is to complete the Christian, then that means that every single uh, passage of Scripture is there for a reason, mm-hmm. that it's there to bring some sort of mm-hmm. completion to our life. So when we go to Scripture, we're going to Scripture, um, I mean, first and foremost, I, th- I think we're going there to, to learn who God is to learn who, who he is, who we are, and how he has saved us. Those, those are the main things. But then what we gain from it is this idea of completion, that through Scripture um, and through the—and really what you guys are saying, too, through the power of the Spirit through Scripture, um, that it actually brings us to completion and equips us for the good works that God has planned for us. I don't know how uh, we would do that, how, how we could even get there without— scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, 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 we're so, we so need it <laughs> over and over again. So. And I would add one last thing um, that I was thinking of is that for the nerds out there, I mean, there is no other piece of literary genius that is higher and greater and more intricate than the word of God. Um, when I think of like connections and threads and themes and types and shadows and the way God, the Holy Spirit formed all these human writers and took every single word and meant it for a purpose. And there's nothing in there that is not there for a reason. And, um, I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I just want to be a student of it forever. And you could be because there's just no end to uncovering its, its treasures. So absolutely. Well, thanks so much for listening in today. We're so glad that uh, you could be part of this today. Um, we really enjoy getting together every week and talking through these sermons and and um, and talking about theology and how this all applies to us. And we hope it's been helpful to you as well. Join us next week. We're going to continue in our discussions of, uh, of, of Scott's sermons week to week, and uh, we'll see you then.